Know My Heart and Mind to the Barfield podcast, which invites you and people from all walks of life to converse about various access to equity within the context of Aotearoa. We invite you and our beautiful, intelligent guest today to share lived experiences and effort to identify common threads within support systems, social networks, and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience. I'll see. What's our season two question? This season, we are exploring what does equity and knowledge look like for various communities coexisting within one society. As Tauiwi and Aotearoa, we recognise the mana whenua and kaitiaki of these lands. Malusio and I have experienced most of our growth in the Waikato and want to honour Ngāti Hawa, Ngāti Mahana and Ngāti Wairere. We're grateful for the connections our whakapapa weave through for us to be able to connect and grow with the community through the Whāku Kaupapa. Malusio mm-hmm. and I would also like to honour our queer ancestors who fought for our rights and visibility as equitable citizens of the world. Kia ora, my name is Kelsey and I use they them pronouns. Um, hello everybody, um, my name is Malusio Joseph Nemonisti and um, I'm comfortable and people use he, him pronouns for me and without further ado we're going to hand you over to our guests because you already know the Papa. we don't like to talk for people, we like to uh, give people to voice their choice so uh, please if you could introduce yourself, your pronouns and whatever else comes after that. Kero. Et final ko Leslie Ho uh Toku Kainga. So I am currently in the lovely um place of Christchurch at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's your pronouns? So what what are you comfortable with? Um my pronouns is um it's she, her, um, but pretty much uh don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I love, I love, love that. that pronouns. Yeah. I, I love those pronouns. Yeah. All right. And then, so tell us, how did we meet from your perspective? We want to know, how did we meet? How, how did we meet? Well, I, I'm not sure of, like, the timeline of who I met first. So, mm-hmm. like, um, I met Kelsey through um, Rainbow Warriors, the softball team um, in Kirikiroa, mm-hmm. um, which I think we played together for t- two, three years. Yeah. Or yeah. so? Yeah. Um, you were you were a baby back then. I was. Right? Yeah. It was a few so years cute. ago now. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. Um, and then Malu, I think I I met you. You came like as a like a like a cyclone through my um office and you were just like, Hi, I'm Joseph. I I'm I'm doing recruitment. I like to play basketball. You play basketball? And then you just as you came like a hurricane, you left like a hurricane, and I probably didn't see you for like two years. <laughs> um, but then we made like a connection with Kelsey, I think, right? Mm. And then once, yeah. And then I, I guess like I saw both of you doing different things. Um, yeah, for a while, just like from afar, being like, wow, look at those, those beautiful people doing their things, evolving. Uh- <laughs> Yeah. Breathing. Breathing. Glistening. Pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How was it for that, you, yeah. Kelsey, then? Well, <laughs> I actually remember, and I think I shared with you, this with you, Leslie, last time mm-hmm. I was in Ototahi, is that um, I actually saw you like two years or three years before I met you. 
and I saw you walking through the building going to like mm-hmm. the other room and I was like yeah homo 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I was telling my friends that I was working with at the time I was like that's a homo and they're like what? and I was like <laughs> I was like that cool I want to be friends with them two or three years later now we're friends like we were friends that was a while ago now but like that was probably so, like 2015, wow. maybe? Wow. Yeah. And then I, I didn't know you for a... So like, like, a, like a duck, like the quack quack for you, it was like, homo, homo, homo. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> because where I'm I curious, was working... What, what vibes was I giving? Was it, was it my walk? My yeah. purposeful walk? Yes. Yeah. The walk, okay. the converse, and the blazer. Yeah. Yeah. And the blazer. <laughs> It is kind of a uniform, eh? Yeah. Of like business casual. Yeah. Trying to still maintain your identity of not being a professional, I think. Eh? Mm. Like that balance. Loved it. And then, yeah. And then a couple of years oh. later, we met through softball, like properly, and connected wow. that we were working at the same place. And then Malu obviously came through as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so, was- that's like, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And for you, Mello, what was it like on your side? I haven't heard your Um, perspective before. So I've been stalking this bitch at work for ages. Like, when I say for ages, I see her, like, Mahi walk was just so Mm. good. Like, when I say it is distinctive, (laughs) it is distinctive. Like, I'm like this. And the first thing that came to my mind, I'm like this, sorry. Oh my god, who is that? Like, I like we're we're gonna be friends, but who is that? Mm. And we never crossed paths. So like, I remember like this in recruitment and in the specific department I'm in, I am in every center kind of thing, or I'm I'm at least connected to every center. I still did not meet you in any of my meetings Mm. or any of those. And I'm like, this, who the hell is this person? And anytime, and that's why when I finally found out your name. (laughs) Like, this is two years later. Like, I feel like in 2016 was when I started working on this company. Yeah, yeah. 2018 was like, like, oh, I don't know when it was, but I feel like it was a long time later was when I actually found your name. And I'm like, I'm reached, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go and say hello in your department. Ah. And because I saw you playing basketball in my head, I'm like, this, oh my God. And the reason why I was so like hard on for like, for basketball and you was because I'm like, this, I want to get back yeah. into basketball and I I don't know a social team that I want to play. We sometimes go on Tuesday or Thursdays and I mean, I'm like, um, girl, you need, you need, you need my hide and I need to get exercise. So. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I gave you like an open invite. I was so excited. And then crickets. I was like in the basketball like area, just doing free throws, waiting for you. And no one was coming. <laughs> It's because I was busy, okay? I'm oh, okay. busy. Okay. Uh, so, I'm so excited busy. to see me and then like empty promises like a father too late, too busy to be with their kids on the weekend. Welcome. Thank welcome you. to your male. I was just trying to like remind you of the male trauma like that exists uh, in your life. Oh my yeah. God. But, exactly. I was just like, where's my basketball daddy? <laughs> but anyway, it was cool, true cool, like cool, that. Because cool, cool. yeah, I mean, both of you guys had a really strong impression for me. Um, and then, like, because I, you know what? I think now that I think of it, I knew of your, I knew of your work, Kelsey. Like, I knew of your the photos that you were taking for your um, 
for your thesis? Oh, Is that what it's called? program, yeah. Because I knew someone that was in it. And then, then I was like, oh, oh, it's this person. And then, so I think that uh-huh. also was like a recognition. And I, was it like, um, who was that? I can't remember. But there was someone in yeah. like the CFL connection, the language connections that was in your work. Mm, yeah, because yeah, that was 2016, and I'd noticed you oh, the okay. year beforehand. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> but Malu, Malu was in that. Malu was in that project. Yeah, no, and I remember seeing that photo too, being like, "Oh, who's this delicious little thing?" It's like the one that left me for someone else at the basketball court, but it's okay. Oh yeah, I'm curious to know who that was. Now, but we can have that conversation well, so. offline. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, all right. Kelsey, you want to leave? <sighs> yes. <laughs> so, what we're here for, other than a catch-up. <laughs> um, kind we of, are curious. Kind of like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, this season we're talking about knowledge and equity in knowledge. But before we jump into that, we understand that knowledge often is a word that people use but can talk past each other on. So, we're curious, what do, what is knowledge to you? When we talk about knowledge, what does that bring up or resonate for you? So I was thinking what what that um, word means and this kind of the origin of it um, and also in different languages. So for me, I just kind of instantly thought, what what does it mean in in Japanese, which um, I I also speak, I'm half Japanese. Um, And so the word is chishiki and chishiki is knowledge, but it's also of um, awareness and so I kind of like that way of positioning it, of like awareness of of things that you see, uh, see things that you witness to, things that you learn, you know, that awareness that you maybe didn't have before. Um, and so in that, that's kind of how I like to kind of see it. Um, and with, with more knowledge um, that I guess through time, through, um, going through school and then going through um, different types of work and then like meeting different people. Um, I think that for me, um, knowledge is definitely co-constructed. Um, so, How so can you break that down for us? Yeah. Tell us, tell us more. What do you, what do you mean? Like, so everything to, to apply meaning or understanding um, isn't kind of like isolated on its own. Uh-huh. So to be able to understand what you see, there is always someone there to either teach you or bring to attention or created it. Or when you're learning about something, you're in a classroom or you're with people trying to make sense of it, of what you're being exposed to. Um, and then in in that construction, it then it leads to more th- more different ways to process what you're being exposed to and I find that that co-construction um, leads to negotiation of knowledge and meaning um, and that's kind of how I kind of make sense of it but within knowledge or acquiring knowledge um, I do think that um, as I go through the world the longer that I'm here the less I know um, mm. and that you know you go into like for me uh, what i do love to go to and in uh ototahi there's a awesome library uh called turanga and in that library when i go in there i'm just like 
this is just like a wealth of knowledge and history. And I will never in my whole life be able to go through all of the, you know, books and periodicals and whatever that's in here. And in that, mm. I, f I find that really comforting and discomforting at the same time, you know, that mm. in my lifespan, I'm not going to be able to know as much as I want to. So, yeah. Mm. That is so important. That is yeah. so important. Yeah. So that's kind of what, yeah, to kind of, uh, hopefully I answer that question, but yeah, that kind mm. of way of like, um, making sense of what you are learning and how you can apply it. Uh, for me, it's definitely in that construction with others. Like, I don't think it, it could be isolated. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think about the key points of like the things that I can retain or recall or anything is, has always been with others. Mm. Like, and that's how I can remember certain things. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about with others, what does that look like mm -hmm. in action? Like in action, so I think now, because I'm, I'm primarily, you know, I'm a teacher, so I, I guess I'm in the, uh, in a space where I'm supposed to now expose concepts and frameworks and ideas to students. Um, but um, as I, as I am teaching, I realize that. Um, I need to really position the the classroom or now online because lots of it's online or the interaction of like, um, instead of saying, this is what you know, learn it, regurgitate it, here's a test. It's kind of like um, we come to a place of like, how much do you know of this? What do you know about it? What comes to mind about it? Um, what is something relatable about maybe an abstract concept, um, you know, like love or um, sadness or, you know, those kind of things. Mm. Can you find an example or can you, what, what, what's your background of it? What's your relationship to it already? And then in that, um, I'm able to, to realize or to, to, to have a classroom that's not centered about me in the middle um, mm. teaching people. It's more like having a, a real kind of like spontaneous, but also planned way of getting all of the, the knowledge that students already have, because that's every, every time I think that, you know, someone is presenting a certain level of ability or aptitude if I make that judgment um, in a process where we keep it much more open and um, much more open-ended, um, I see that there is so much more understanding about certain issues than I might have given credit before that. So mm -hmm. just re, yeah, re, reshaping the way the classroom looks. I love that. Loved all of that, actually. That resonates yeah. really well. Yeah. Because literally, that's... Because to me, do you think that 
Well, how do you deal with the conversation around mm -hmm. um, the learning that happens in classrooms versus learning that happens outside a classroom? Because I feel like you just talked to that a little bit around um, students already coming to class with a body of knowledge already yeah. attached to them. Mm. Can you just ice that out for us a little bit more? I guess like, you know, a lot of like the way the classroom now is, or at least in, in my field of um, language teaching, language acquisition, you know, a lot of the like concepts or um, like say grammar points, for example, we have videos, we send it out to the students, they watch it. And so now you know, some, some practitioners call it flipped classroom or whatever, but then you come in and you're ready to, to just do stuff, right? Um, and so in that, um, when, we, when we get into the classroom, um, it's kind of like every, every student, and especially in the second language classroom, everyone comes from, from really different countries, different um, uh, you know, backgrounds and uh, educational qualifications and all of that, and value of, teach, uh, of learning or value of being a student. So all of that stuff is happening. Um, so you're trying to now be aware of all of that um, and then think about what's the best way everyone learns and everyone is different. And so how do you get all of that awareness and then make um, a lesson that everyone finds that there's a takeaway, there's everyone got something out of it. And so the way in which I well, I'm doing it now, which I'm sure will change and morph into something else different is to um, just just have a real quick um, you know gauge on where everyone is at how can how much they know already and so once they demonstrate in different ways maybe a, a discussion or a short quiz or some I'd like to do a recall like what did we do a week ago or what was the videos about okay do a brain dump bang put it on piece of paper and then once I go around the room or online I can see typically and uh, and not always but where cer certain people are at and so then i can then go okay well today the group that knows a lot can be together and get really um immersed into certain concepts where they can just fly and then other groups who are not there can then go and you know refresh or go go find something online or you know whatever text or whatever so a different group so everything is kind of um, flexible and adaptable. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying today. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it's a complete <laughs> failure. Hard, um, hard, hard. Yeah. But yeah, an adaptable classroom and adaptable resources, especially being very cognizant that everyone learns differently and they might learn something one way for a certain task, but they might actually be, um, really good at another task in a different way and they couldn't mm. do that way to that task they're good at previously mm. so there's a lot of things to consider <laughs> does that make sense yeah, yeah. it does yeah 100% and I, yeah. I, I really I really love your consideration in that space because I'm like mm. even though you're asking it if that makes sense. I feel like it's probably because you're telling that to an audience that doesn't even actually grapple with the complexity of actually being a facilitator or, or sharing space with students. So I really yeah. 
I really appreciate that you're actually, because from what I'm hearing, you're sharing mm-hmm. space with students and you're actually guiding them in a way that benefits them, which is student-centered learning, which is that, I'm like this, that I, I have deep, deep, deep whakaro around being yeah. like, teach teach the person in front of you and not your content. Like, right. I love mm-hmm. that people can, because I'm like, yo, if, a lot of people really, and there's, there's innate narcissism in that way. I'm like, bruv, you're really good at your job. You're just not good mm-hmm. at transferring your knowledge yeah. bases. And that's the, right. those are two different conversations. Eh? Like, I'm like, yeah, you could totally. be a really great researcher and really great lecturer, but maybe yeah. your skill set is not transference of knowledge. Your skill set yeah. is an acquirance of knowledge, which I think mm. even, if, even at university and in current um, teaching levels, we're still talking about that around being like, because I'm like, I'm like, guys, this is about a transfer. This is not about teaching and like looking at who's the most intelligent. If you're not able to transfer that, mm-hmm. what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally. Anyways, like, what is, what are you even there for? But I think the 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 thing is, um, what I've what I've noticed is some people um, are really good at breaking down concepts, right? Or like making it really accessible for a range of, of learners, but mm. others um, that doesn't come naturally. And so, un- unless you actually want to strengthen that skill or find that as a valuable um, skill to have, mm. um, then the motivation or the like the incentive to do it isn't really necessarily there. But however, on the other side, we need our researchers. We need our um, yeah, academics yeah. that are very discipline mm. specific and experts. Um, but also we need um, others, other people to be able to get that um, wonderful um, findings or results and package it in a way that students can connect to resonate with and also not just resonate but to find purpose Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. themselves Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's something that's yeah something i've been like really marinating and mulling over since yeah since i started teaching love Love what you do. All right. So I love the, I love what you do. And I okay. also want to just bring it back to you um, okay. in terms of being like, what knowledge do you hold in your body, mind, soul, and heart? I know it's a big concept, but in my head, I'm like, let's bring it back to you. What what is the like, how has knowledge benefited you specifically? Mm. So like so again, I was been thinking a lot about that. And um something that I personally um kind of put remind myself is that um my knowledge my understanding is a work in progress and so what i know now isn't what i knew a month ago six months ago a year ago and i'm sure that as i you know keep going and um spend time uh, with my with my family and my kids and and then my work and all of that like that, that, that knowledge keeps uh, morphing into something else that makes sense to me at that time mm-hmm. um, and so the biggest thing that I hold in my heart is that everything is um, uh, impermanent like everything changes so what I hold true or what the values that I have um, about knowledge, 
um, at the moment, I know for a fact it's going to change for me in a mm. year's time or in five mm. years' time. And so that that sense of like chishki, that knowledge, that awareness of that, I need to be flexible and adaptable and also recognizing, as I was saying before, that I don't know much. <laughs> and so I need to keep, um, for me personally, um, mm. learning to feel that I, um, that I am nourished, um, not just in my work, but also as a parent and also as a friend, you know? Yeah. Mm. It's like that constant nourishing. Mm. Yeah. And how long did it get to like before you got this comfortable or if mm -hmm. not, you know, like, you know, how long, what's the journey for you to actually embrace the fact that change is the constant and that you as a practitioner of life and, mm -hmm. and, and absorbing all of these awarenesses and all of this knowledges, um, how, like, what was your journey to getting to this specific space where you're actually comfortable to realize that knowledge is flexible, knowledge is adaptable, and also that perhaps what I'm hearing as well, and correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, is that you meet knowledge and you meet awareness of, of what is in front of you in a way that reflects who you are as opposed to what it is. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Like, um, so I think that with with more time and experience, you start making sense of the world. Um, and so, um, like, I, th I think that there's, there's been a lot of different points in my life up to this point that has made me realize that, um, there are so many things in your life you can't control. Um, and so in, in that to relinquish control makes you vulnerable, but in that vulnerability, you really get tested to be like, what can I do? What can I, um, how can I challenge myself uh, to break through this insecurities or um, fear of not being in control of, of things? Um, and so, yeah, like there's just been so many different points. And I think for many of us, I think, that the last two years um, has been really, really challenging, of course, for lots of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, and it, it does come from a place of privilege to say that the pandemic has been uh, a, a place to for, for spiritual and emotional growth. But um, that's been my reality. Um, to um, take a moment to recalibrate um, and reassess what is important um, and that uh, change is the, the, you know, change is what, it, what we go through. Um, and so uh, seeing like, um, you know, my children being safe, um, um, and then how that is the most important thing in my life right now. And that this last two years really does put a light on that um, shift in values. And so that in itself 
kind of makes everything else make sense to me. And so mm. um, my children two years ago were much younger than they are now. And this kind of being able to see how they have become who they are um, in that time and how because we were in the position to cocoon ourselves and just spend time being a family and just being with each other, um, that's been like the most important thing in my life so far is mm. that I can be a witness to their changes, that I'm not so constrained by, you know, commute to work or um, so many other things. I've been really privileged to still have a full-time job, right? And so, but now as young parents or young, not young, but youngish, you know, um, I get to work from home and I also have an employer that allows me to be flexible um, when I get my work done. So now everything has shifted to me being able to do so many things with my kids that I couldn't do two years ago, you know? Mm, love. Um, and then like, they are my teachers now for a lot of things. Like they just, I mean, I think we really discredit how much um, like just even babies and infants and toddlers and, and kids know how much and how wise they can be for where they're at. Like, it's just, it's mind blowing. Mm. So, yeah. I really yes. total for that. Yeah. Because to me, I'm like, so uh, before Kelsey asked her, um, the, the next question, mm -hmm. I just want to just add like the, the funniest thing that pops out to mind. And one of my friends said it as a, as a joke, but I actually believe it's true. So they were like saying that babies are born as this like cosmic nobility and mm -hmm. then they dumb themselves down to, to our frequency as, as, as adults and as humans. And I'm like this, fuck, that's right. Like <laughs> they do, they know everything. And then we're like, no, you have to learn English. Or like, no, yeah. you have to learn this, this, this yeah. just so that you can coexist in our imaginary. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, they're so potent. And especially for vibe chicks, I'm like, I already know I'm off if a baby doesn't come close to me. And I'm like, mm. oh, like, really? Do my, that's my tohu. If, if, oh. if babies and if babies and, and kids are not are not feeling comfortable to come into my proximity, I know I'm off. I know that I'm I need to get myself right. And that's my mm. like, I, I never really share that with people. But since we're in the fuck you capacity, if baby, yeah. babies are my best tohu. If, if they don't want to be around me, it's because I'm not right with the self or these, these, I'm carrying bad vibes because they check vibes so hard. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I feel so disheartened as well when babies are like, and it usually doesn't happen because I'm a baby bag man. Like, look at me. <laughs> you, you do look you, like like a, um, a teddy bear for sure for a baby. They'll be like, mm, come over here. <laughs> That sounded a little bit like something else. <laughs> oh, kind of babies. <laughs> oh my gosh. This Kels. is my life with these two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every time we hang out. I'm, Excuse me, yeah. this was your idea. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Be cool. careful what you <laughs> manifest, my love. <laughs> so good though. 
I'm, yeah. You're talking about all the things that you've learned over the last two years, particularly from your children. Mm-hmm. I was curious mm-hmm. if there were any like standout lessons that you've learned from your children. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, there's been so many standout lessons. So I'm quite um, like when I was a kid, I, I I got in trouble a lot, and now it makes sense why I got in trouble a lot, and we can talk <laughs> about it later. But I pretty much was like all over the place and I was just in it and stuff and I so I got in trouble a lot so I always kind of had not a good relationship with authority at school and stuff but so yesterday uh so my daughter's telling me about um going on the jungle gyms uh and so she's like showing me going on the jungle gyms on uh, monkey bars sorry and then um for whatever reason she tries to go and like she like tries to kick me and I was like whoa like where did that come from? Like, I hope you're not doing this at school. And then she goes, um, no, if I do this, I'll get told off by the principal. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, um, that would be, that wouldn't be good to go to the principal. And, you know, I would, you'd probably be scared or something. And she goes, huh? What? Why would I be scared of the principal? She's lovely. Why would I be scared of her? And I was like, oh. Wow. Okay. So I just took a moment. I was like, you know what? Everything I like have and that I've learned or like my experience, like this is a moment where I don't project. This is a moment where I'm like, enjoy it. Have a great and healthy, lovely relationship with your principal and your teachers. Like awesome. Like go for gold, you know, like, but that there's a lot of truth bombs like that. Mm. <laughs> like, why would I? <laughs> Damn, humanity is going. I'm getting, getting better without me. <laughs> <laughs> right, pretty much. I'm like, not ready for this. I don't want no. this change. I object. No, there's, there's, so there is moments like that. Being like, get out of the way, stay out of the way. Like, just sit there and observe um, her and like, yeah, the boy. Just watch <laughs> them make sense of the world. You know, um, because at the moment that they, yeah, they're like on track. <laughs> yeah I'm so Mm. thankful to hear that because I also hear that you're receptible to learning yeah totally and to me I'm like I'm like that as a as as a safety need for 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 anybody like to me I'm like I know that that is such a healing like story for for anyone who's you know because I feel like everybody well I don't know about everybody Mm. but for me like I'm gonna make a specific comment I'm so used to people interjecting the interjecting the experience that yeah for a long time i thought that that was normal you know when yeah. people are conversing i thought that that was like oh we're sharing we're, we're sharing and it's like actually no i'm not actually hearing people's stories when we're sharing mm-hmm. and it's like that part there really i love i love hearing that because i'm like yes you are so good at and i just want to honor you for being receptive to learning as a parent mm. that's such a that's such a different thing like for me hearing yeah hearing that parents are receptive to learning, oh, like, let me not project, let me just not listen and, and be thankful that this is, this change has happened. Yeah, well, see, Thank so you. that goes into, like, the the frame of reference. So, like, you know, how we all make sense of the world, how we filter experiences and, and how that informs us, right? So for me, my reference is completely different from how my kids are going to be raised here. And mm. I I really, I am trying to acknowledge and be aware of that. There are moments where there's hiccups, 
where I do project. Um, but that's one thing that I'm like, you know what? Like their whole experience is going to be completely different. They don't have the same parents. They don't have the same background as me. So they're right now, they're so like, they're just so loving life and learning about life that as long as we can go on this train of that purity and innocence, let's go mm, on it. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to a place where we need to, you know, because like, I don't, the one thing I don't want to do is become like those like helicopter parents or not helicopter, but you know, those parents that shield their kids from everything. And then the kids like 18 and they don't know how to, you know, balance their books or, you know, they don't, they don't know what things cost or they don't know how to, you know, walk uh, cautiously and I, Oh, all that stuff. Right. I don't want to do that. But that balance of like, you know, the reality is there's a lot of things going on in the world. We are completely reminded and bombarded by things, but that's the whole cocoon thing I want to do just right now when they're little developing their little brains is that they don't have to compete with those mm -hmm. kind of flight and fight responses that others do get by being exposed to things on TV or on social media or whatever. Like as much as I can, I try to like cocoon that shit until they're in a place where they can process it mm. in a way that they can and not feel like catastrophic thinking or like things are going to be really bad, you know? Um, yeah. That's my role right now, I guess. Mm. Where did you learn how to do that? Because you said mm. that that's not your background. That's not how you grew up. So where did, how did that yeah. become part of your world? So, okay. So it's like, so my background is like, um, so I, I guess for podcast listeners, you probably can't see what I look like, but I'm, I'm racially ambiguous. So I, I'm like, I'm an other on a uh, government form. Um, so in that way, like I've been able to have lots of different experiences and um, being a part of things that um, I, I now I'm extremely grateful to have had. So like when I grew up, I grew up on a American military base in Japan. Um, but my father wasn't in the military. He was a teacher. So even in that way, we were other. We were already like, oh, you're not in the military. But what are you doing there? So we were there. And then, um, uh, but being on the base, um, what's so beautiful about the real amazing thing about the military in the, in the U.S., which there's a lot of horrible things attributed to it, sure. is really the cross section of society and of America comes all together and they, for some reason, works for the Department of Defense, military, or, or some kind of service unit that supports that. So what I mean by that is everyone is either is from everywhere um, or mixed from everywhere. So where I grew up, um, being, um, we call it... Um, well, there's different ways. So like being hafu, which in Japanese means half, half of something, which some people like and don't like, but that's the term. Or like hapa, the um, Hawaiian term for, you know, part. And then we have like, you know, being mixed or whatever. So my whole like life to 18, though it was in the, in the military and quite 
um, in different ways, conservative. Mm. There was a lot of different people with mm. amazing food. So I had that. And then, so that was like my norm and my reality. And then from like being in the military background, um, I went to a Quaker school um, when I went to university. So a Quaker school, Quakers are called like the Religious Society of Friends. Um, they are, if you go to like, they're part of Christianity, but if you go from the left to the right, they're completely on the left. Um, and they're, they're very much um, about um, social justice, um, about equality. Um, and about simplicity and um, like trying to build community. It's like their tenant. So from military fight and like safeguard your resources and protect people and, and if, if they're a threat to you, fight them to pacifists. So Quakers are pacifists. So when I went into that space, um, I had to call um my professors all by the first name um so in new zealand that's common like to call people their first name but in that space from like from people all about hierarchy you know where yeah. i lived on the base demonstrated your your rank or your class so um you could tell just as you go on the base who lives where based on what their parents' um, ranks are. So being a teacher, we were right in the middle. But when we went to the Quakers, it was like, you know, the brilliant, most smartest person you met, like New Zealand, is wearing no shoes, you know, um, <laughs> and like just wearing like holy clothes. And it's like, yeah. so... um not what are you like who are you leslie yeah. why do you think this way and then it was like the first time in my life being like what who am i mm. and so with that with their like that environment it allowed me to um really start kind of unpacking different layers of myself and different identities which um was in the result of a lot of identity crisis because um being in the military surrounding um it was really really normal to be um a you know a biracial kid but then i went into even a real liberal space mm. and that um there wasn't really a lot of there were wasn't that biracial um environment you know mm. all of that stuff so um i think i'm i'm kind of rambling but um pretty much what i'm what what I went through there was kind of like um, there are, that was like the first real time in my life to start grappling with what what is what are inherent values um, who shapes those um, how can I um, make my own um, and mm. um, like what what is the what for me? It's like, is it being successful? Is it mm. having all of these material um, resources and, and to show my wealth in front of people or indicate that by what I wear and what I dress? And I knew that that wasn't for me. Um, but before that, that was more the value for a lot of people of like, how do you um, 
you know, mobilize up the social hierarchy and your economic status and how do you, how do you become rich or whatever. But the Quakers allow me to kind of start thinking about what makes me tick really. And so from there, I just kind of, and then like knowing I was, was queer, but for, for, you know, for, since I was a, with a baby, like probably, you know, just being in love with my teachers or sister's friends, uh, older friends and stuff, you know, um, coming to a place where I still didn't feel um, that I could come out um, when I was Mm -hmm. um, in college. And so what I think a lot of people my age at that time that couldn't, didn't feel safe to come out was to, um, um, leave right and go and travel um and work overseas and all of that stuff and so in that um i started kind of developing um a sense of like self and priorities and what makes me tick and all of that and i still you know it's a work in progress um and also depending on the time of day or did i have enough things to eat or did I sleep? You know, those things really do um, swing on my like best self of the day. But um, I think I'm now come to a place of like, yeah, just reconciling mm. some things that I felt like I didn't do right or I wasn't successful enough or all that stuff um, to a place of like my kids are healthy. I'm I'm healthy, um, and mm. yeah, yeah. I yeah. Wow, that was that was a ramble. Sorry. No, I love <laughs> no. That. that. Totally, you totally. I was I was along the ride the whole way. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I am now. Mm. Yeah, mm. I just yeah, but it's been like real like I I like I have moments where I'm like I can't really. I, cause I, I want to build or I want to be with people, you know, you want to be with people who get you to your core and you want to bounce ideas, but I get to a place sometimes that I'm like, I'm such an other that I, no one gets me. But then I'm like, that's not true. They do get, get parts of you. And like, do, do you fully get yourself either? You know, like mm. Malu and I was saying, do you really fully even understand yourself? And you're like, mm, not so much. So like, why do you expect someone else have to have these set yeah. of, yeah, someone else to. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Mm. yeah I'm so big that. on that. I'm so big with that. Because in my head, I'm like, that is so unrealistic for me to expect other people to, 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 to get to know me. And I'm like, bitch, I will never. <laughs> yeah. I think that's also really common. See, this is this, uh, really common in like romantic relationships, like expecting mm-hmm. a partner to to be your one person for everything. But yeah. how can you be all of that for for someone? And yeah. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous though, because like if you flip it on yourself and you're dating yourself, like could Boy, you expect yourself never. to do everything? Like never. <laughs> Like, I could uh-uh. never date myself. Could you guys date yourself? No. I'd be like, oh, you're a little bit. Mm-mm. Girl, I'm like this. Uh, you and your fluctuation between all of the personalities you're carrying, 
you're done. I'm yeah. done with you and you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. couldn't. So that's the thing. Like, it's so interesting how you get like trapped in those kind of expectations. I, mm. I think that's a, a lot of things that we we learned or we through like watching all of this oh, horrible yeah. stuff. Mm. You know, conditioned. That's conditioned. We're conditioned, yeah, yes. right? But yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah. Mm. I in saying that, I do feel like my partner is a bit more like, um, like gives me more, <laughs> and like much more like, um of a you know she's like she's she's much more together than me <laughs> in that sense <laughs> so thank you darling <laughs> love you love you love you <laughs> yeah um, yeah um i just want to jump you... back a little bit mm. you talked about your yeah. inherent values and how they shifted mm-hmm. from um what you were taught at the on the military base to the quaker yeah. school and where you got to develop yeah. some of your own I'm curious mm-hmm. if you are currently in a position where you can articulate what your inherent values are now and if they've changed in like the last two years where you've talked about being like in that little cocoon with your children and your family. Mm. Mm. So inherent values. Mm. This wasn't a part of your prompt, Kelsey. I, I, <laughs> I can't do homework for this, but... Um, <laughs> Um, so like, I, I, I love, um, I am, I'm obsessed with Maya Angelou. Like she's really given me a lot of, um, clarity and like, um, a perspective and, and also, um, for like perseverance. Mm. And so I think for the value is like, for me, with everything that I try to do, is you know do the best you can until um when you know better do better that's right and that's just kind of like maybe that's not a value but that's makes sense to me about everything you know oh thank you i feel it (laughs) no because literally i this is the weirdest part um, is that 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 saying has been ringing in my ear the whole day, and I'm like, this, it's oh. this moment. It, it was ringing for this moment specifically because I'm yeah. like, I fuck with that so much because I'm like, I'm like, guys, there's a lot of us that know better that don't do actually fucking better. Yeah, yeah. no, that I mean, right? Because like again, so much shit has gone down the last two three years, like so much, and yet there are certain things that people have become really adaptive, and then there's other things. That I'm like, don't haven't we learned a lesson here? Mm. There's a lesson to be learned, and mm. so why are we doing the same things, expecting different results? Like, because the lesson's gonna keep coming until you've learned it. So yeah, you know. So I think Make it and makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, another, I guess, inherent value. So I really um, crave and I um, gravitate to like intergenerational korero like i Mm. really love that i have some friends from all different age ages Mm. um i just there's so much to learn like hi hi guys like (laughs) yes um but it's so true and so like to intentionally um be with people. Oh my goodness. 
Nyinyir mamet. Nyinyo. Intentionally be with people. Intentionally be with people. No, but you know, being with people, not just your own like backgrounds or like what you know yeah. or what you get stuck into, you know. Yeah. And like even with like. So like I love to be like I don't like other people's kids. I'll just put that out there in the world. Um, <laughs> like I like people think that you're a parent, and then all of a sudden mm. you like inherit this gene that you love all kids. Um, but no. I do love I do love um, kids from a certain age bracket. And my like golden age bracket of kids typically um, is from six to nine. Um, there is just they're the coolest people on earth for me. And also the age bracket of um, like 70 beyond. And whenever, and it doesn't happen often, but whenever that age bracket and myself or some other people who are just randomly happen to be there or with also 70 to 80, that interaction for me is just... Juice. Yeah. Because it just really reshifts and like really prioritizes what's the most important thing. And that is just sharing and being with one another from different, you know, time and to, to share knowledge, really share like what you think, what's important and what's funny and all of that stuff and going on walks and someone pointing out different things about trees and the birds and like everyone sharing what they know about it. I just, it's just, for me, it's, it, it rejuvenates me. I just have to love it. Mm. Mm. So, beautiful. Yeah. All right. I'm really loving all of that. Mm. Okay. So, so like, good. That's, that's me. The, those two the inherent values. Like I miss living in an intergenerational house because for me, when I talk, when I, when I think about an intergenerational, well, when I remember, not so much when I think, when I remember living in an intergenerational house, it was always someone to catch you. And that's an added mm -hmm. level layer of cast, like pastoral care that mm -hmm. we don't yeah. get the safety of in this atomic families or, yeah. or in these um in these like siloed individualistic like pursuits of like professionalism and all of these things. You're flattening by yourself. And I'm like, mm -hmm. guys, who benefits when you are siloed and no one catches you? Who benefits? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. it's it's really it's it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like there's a time and a space for us to be individuals. And to go and find our own voice and to go and find our autonomy and self-determination and mana multi hockey. Mm -hmm. And also it's like, when do we people come home? Because I'm like, people just keep on going and going and going. Yeah. And then parents get sick. And it's like, oh my God, I have to change my whole life around. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I get it. But it's like, maybe it's because you didn't bring all of your peoples with you mm -hmm. to the space or to the room. And that's a call out for me. And it's a call in for me, sorry. Because in my head, I'm mm -hmm. like, if, if my family's responsibilities feel like weight, it's because I've gone too far from home. And what's real for me. Yeah. Nice. It's like that grounding, eh? Mm. Mm. But I want to ask as well. So coming off to our, 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 our final question, um, uh, what is the archive for you? What is what is high, high up in your high security vault? What is in your faculty specifically around knowledge? Damn. What are, or another way to say this is, <laughs> yeah. what are we not talking about when we, when, 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 or what in your perspective and your experience, mm -hmm. your sensory experience of this world and the realm that you live in, what are yeah. we not talking about when, when, when people, when, when, when we're thinking about knowledge or feeling about well, knowledge? 
I don't know. I just I just think about like the access to knowledge and like who gets、mm-hmm. knowledge and、um, how that can you know mobilize you、um, or not or how、um, certain you know things that hap- has you know that's inflicted on you or that you have made a you know you made a、uh, decision and that kind of just shapes the, your trajectory of your life and how there's a, like these. Parallel, alternate realities, right? Like if you did this or you study this and you went here or you met this person, everything changes. And so,、um, for for me, like I, the realization that、um, when I was younger, and some of the mistakes that I made, I never got caught, right? And so I like to acknowledge that to be like, what is it about my My life and the way that I am currently living, that、um, I'm in,、uh, I'm able to have a life of、um, of quite of of comfort, you know, of being like middle class and all that stuff. But if the things that I did when I was younger and I did get caught,、um, where would I be now? And so I like to always think of that with this my students or. With my interactions with people and being like, we can't say someone is like this because of this.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think that so many things occurred to get to that place where we're at, and so to really acknowledge that, you know,、mm. of like, what is it about those layers of access, layers of.、Um, Um, the ability to make mistakes, and and then others who can't make mistakes. I think that's yeah something yeah. Love. I've never heard it from that perspective before, and also I'm feeling into、um, how this correlates with、um, Chimamanda Ngozi's、um, perspectives on、uh, the dangers of a single story,、mm-hmm. and how one story should never be the sum of any person, community. Like society or knowledge in general, so it's like that perspective adds value to that body of knowledge, but shouldn't be the sum of that knowledge. And、no. that, to me, is something that I really value in what you just said, and you've just really uplifted that from a personal perspective because I feel like you've literally highlighted of being like,、mm. how is that? Like, how is one person's not narrative of you the totality of you, or that causal effect of being like,、mm. oh, I've witnessed violence here, so violence is here. You know,、mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's that's storytelling, <laughs> which we all do. But I feel like this. I think this 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 humility that is invited when you're trying to perpetuate that one single narrative of that person or that community or that society. Like a hundred percent. Like that's just. I mean, there's been so many times where like, oh, that's that person is from here, so they're like this, or like they can't do this, or they're not able to do it, and you're like. Who says and why not? Like,、mm. why? Why have we made that decision? And why? Why are we now? Yeah, being gatekeepers when now there's opportunity, and、mm. let's just if we have the time and those kind of you know resourcing whatever, let's just let's just see. And and then some might flourish, some might not. But why not? You know.、Um, mm. Mm. I I just feel like there's moments where certain decisions are made, and then 
like that opportunity is locked down. And yet there's many of us who are allotted more, you know, what's this word? Like legway, more, um, more freedoms to leeway. Thank you. Thank you. Leeway to figure things out more. Um, okay, be leeway. Hey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hey, and then honoring yeah. everything that you've just shared with mm. us today, if people and 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 um, some, I know that a lot of people will already resonate with um, your racial ambiguity, and this mm. is something that I feel like that is a far cue conversation in general because yeah, it's like sure. the othering of that is just mm-hmm. and because that's that's the single narratives, right? And it's like mm-hmm. okay, we 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 understand the single narratives of what race and identity is. Yeah, and I'm like, do we? <laughs> Do we? Because it's not reflected in our in our policies. It's not reflected in our documentations. And I'm like, do we, or are we perpetuating this othering? But mm. that's another different story. Yes. Um, what I wanted to say is, if people wanted to get in touch with you because they resonate with you, your mm. story and the way that you offered it today, um, yeah. how 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 are they best to do that? Um. Uh, <laughs> they can c- contact you guys. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, send us a message yeah. or DM or yeah. whatever, and mm-hmm. we'll uh, screen them for you. <laughs> like, mm, no. Well, uh, I mean, yes. now that you guys told me you knew me for two years before we actually met, like um, that screening process would be great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I think yeah, we were screening ourselves to be like, okay, how do we find them? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And is there anything else that you want to offer into this moment in terms of the FAQ co-papa? And thank you so much for sharing the, mm. your, your, your worldviews and you. your, lived, your lived experiences. Because I'm like, yo, we really appreciate it. But is there anything else that you'd like? Any final words? Yeah. You know, one thing I didn't um, mention is the importance of um, breaking bread with people and uh, breaking bread with people you don't know um, and the power mm. of um, sharing food. Um, around a, a table that really just opens up so many opportunities. So I think that's how, where I want to end it. Mm. Share your kind. Oh, Love. Yes. yes. All right, we started with a jingle, so we're going to end with a jingle. Um, please yes. jingle with us. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. Yeah. Please. Celine Dion me this moment, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck you. 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 Fuck